Do you have a question about your home? Ken Patterson is a Class A licensed contractor who has designed and built multi-million dollar commercial and industrial projects and single family homes up and down the East Coast. And now, Ken the contractor brings his years of experience to the radio. I pulled up some carpet in my basement and there was linoleum put down. How can I get that up? Uh, there are products that will release the adhesive. You're probably going to have to take a floor scraper and it'll work a little quicker for you, but you're still going to take a lot of elbow grease. I wish I could tell you there was a real simple solution of just put something down and scrape it up with a shovel or something, but there's not that I know of. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor, and every weekend at this time, he's right here ready to take your calls, questions, and comments about your home inside or out. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can forward your questions to our website. Email them to KenTheContractor.com. You know, are you tired of... uh Let's few nuisance around the house. How about some static electricity? That create a problem for you from time to time? Maybe that dried up furniture where it starts to sound a little rickety, like our bones do occasionally, but especially in the winter months. Or maybe you have a breathing problem in home. Have you wondered why it seems to be worse perhaps in the winter months when you've got the heat and the fireplace fired up in there? Well, let's take a few moments. Let's talk about humidifiers, and today we're going to do just that. Humidifiers 101. I have so many email questions as we get into the cooler time of the year and uh, the air starts drying out and people end up with coughing issues and the things I just talked about, maybe their hardwood floor is shrinking, the gaps are opening up, or perhaps even the trim on your doors and windows starts showing some of those gaps. And that's really related, folks, to temperature and humidity. We're going to deal with that for a little bit today. And I've had a number of mail questions come to us through the website, KenTheContractor.com, over the last few weeks, especially related to health issues and those also with younger children and infants. And I can remember when when my children were quite young, that was one of the things that the doctor recommended at the time was they needed some type of a humidifier or a mister. They needed to have some more moist air in that particular room, at least their bedroom, to help them breathe better during certain times of the year. So health issues are one item that can be created by lack of humidity within our homes or especially within a sleeping area. As the air dries out, it can also make our throat and skin feel dry and scratchy. And for many of us with allergies, it can make that allergy or those symptoms certainly worse. And when we talk about humidifiers, it's like so many other things out there in the real world today that it's a a simple-sounding word, and you say, I'm going to buy a humidifier. But when you start shopping for this, they are all over the place with the types with the performance, with the capacity of those. And that's really what I want to touch on today for the many of you that have contacted me regarding humidifiers. First off, when you are choosing a humidifier, you need to be aware uh, of what you're trying to achieve. One, are you trying to add moisture simply to a room, to multiple rooms, or to the entire home? For those of you that have a central heating and cooling system, or maybe just heating, but if it's a ducted system, throughout the house, then it's going to be quite easy for you to add a whole house humidifier and relatively inexpensive compared to the complete system. If you have that and you want to add a humidifier, probably going to be looking at somewhere around $700 or less as opposed to putting a whole system in that could cost you thousands of dollars if you have no duct work. So that's an easy solution for so many of you out there. 
And you're able then to put humidistats on the wall so that you can automatically regulate the humidity level with throughout your entire home. Now, if you don't have a ducted system, then you're going to be looking at a portable unit, those that sit on the floor, those that you can pick up and move around. And you need to pay attention to the size. For example, that if you have about a 500-square-foot area or smaller, you need the output of one and a half to two gallons per day on the humidifier, the type unit that you're buying. But if you're going to jump up to a space or several rooms that you're trying to cover from 900 to 1,000 square feet, you're going to need a larger unit, and it's going to need to produce four to five gallons of, uh, of output per day. So there's a huge variation, and they get larger than that. They go on up to 10 gallons or more per day, and they start at about a gallon and a half. Now, moisture content for so many of us, you're saying, well, how do I know when it's too dry? Well, I've already described some of these. You're going to feel it first and foremost. Also, you're going to see some telltale signs within your home. If you have hardwood floor, the gaps or the joints in the floors get larger. Joints or miters on your trim tend to open up. You'll also notice your furniture sounds a little rickety. It's not quite as tight as it is in the spring or summer months when humidity is higher. When we fire up our furnaces, it doesn't matter what type it is. If we don't add humidity on the interior, we may reduce the humidity in our internal, within the home, the air inside, to about 10%. That is extremely low, folks. Typically, most of us are pretty comfortable when the humidity is up in the 30% range, 30 35%. So there's a very big difference, and it's, there's a detriment to you as well as to your interior furnishings. Let's talk about the types of humidifiers for those of you looking for a room unit or a multiple room unit that will not be installing this as part of your central system. And there are several on the market, probably five that are most common. And they're an ultrasonic humidifier, a warm mist, vaporizer, an impeller type, or evaporative type. And I'm going to talk briefly about each of these, but you'll find all the details on the website through the podcast where you can go to kenthecontractor.com. So listen rather than taking notes right now. But the ultrasonic humidifier produces a cool mist. As I said, a cool mist. Pay attention. That will be key to you in another comment here. And it uses a metal diaphragm that vibrates at such a high frequency that it's actually propelling moisture into the air. Now, that mist is almost immediately absorbed, and, of course, it's, it's very quiet as well. A warm mist is the least expensive out in the marketplace, and it uses boiling water. It's also more costly to operate because it's heating water up, then it cools it down before it discharges that into the air. The vaporizer uh, boils water also, then releases steam and moisture, does the same thing. But a medicated uh, inhalant can also be added to the vaporizer to help diminish coughing and other respiratory issues that we may have in our home. And this is one I know that's recommended pretty frequently, especially if you have young children. I can remember that with mine. And then the impeller type or a mist, a cool mist humidifier, uses just a sprinkling disc to deliver water into a diffuser and then breaks the water into droplets, and that winds up floating around in the air. And then there's the evaporative type, which operates by soaking water into a wick and expelling it out through a fan. That's a forced operation. All of these have advantages and disadvantages. What I want to tell you is do your own research, and if you couldn't jot all these down, said go to the podcast on the website, kenthecontractor.com, and revisit this. Take some notes on it, but then do your own research. First, remember, it's the size of the room that you're trying to take care of, if it's not the whole house. Also, is it for a particular health issue? 
And that's, do you need to add some items to the moisture so that you might have a medicated inhalant that can be within this room? And you also want to look at operating costs and you want to consider the number of gallons that these units can produce on a daily basis to try and achieve that higher humidity level that you want inside. One word of caution. Be sure that you do not bring too much moisture inside the house. What you will find in the winter months is that you'll see sweating on the inside of your windows. Condensation will form, roll off in the bottom, can create mold and mildew. So we can overdo anything, and that's just one word to the wise. If you see that happen, you see mold developing in a corner without a lot of air circulation, then you want to be aware that that humidity might be a little too high. So just some things to think about as you enter these cooler months, help you breathe better and feel a little better in your home, and take care of your furniture and other items with it as well. Coming up this hour on Ken the Contractor, one-on-one, Ken will be talking with the folks from Starborn Industries. They specialize in deck fastener tools. Also, in the news, Ken's going to talk about an electric table that changes shape to fit your entertainment needs. And we'd also like to welcome those of you who are listening to us on one of our newest affiliates, WKCW, 1420 AM in Warrington, Virginia. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. More of Ken the Contractor coming up. Welcome back to Ken the Contractor. I'm Jim Britt along with Ken Patterson. Ken the Contractor. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can send us an email. We get a bunch of emails through the website, KenTheContractor.com. And Ken, we've got a couple out of Kansas. Folks have some questions. Let's first start with Ralph, who wants to know if it is safe to use a non-vented type gas fireplace for a main heat source in a home. And, Ralph, I'm glad you raised the question. It's something a lot of folks don't think about. Occasionally I do bring this to the show, and it will cause me to discuss it just a little bit. But for those of you that are curious, he goes on to say, I have a non-vented, and that's key, a non-vented LP gas fireplace. And he says, I've used it really for decorative purposes, and that's what a lot of us do. We turn the fireplace on just occasionally, not using it for primary heat. He said, my old furnace is only working occasionally, and I'm not in a position to replace it this year. Can I use the non-vented fireplace all the time? And he goes on to say he's got a report here. He says, one of my coworkers tells me it's not healthy. I thought these had many safety devices in them. What's your opinion? Well, again, Ralph, I think this is a very important question for us to make a distinction between a non-vented gas fireplace and those that are either a direct vent, meaning they're vented through the wall, or a standard vent, which would take a fireplace and vent it through the roof or through a chimney in some fashion. And when you read all of the industry papers, the manufacturer's documents on these, what they're going to tell you, Ralph, is that your friend, your coworker, is absolutely right. Even the manufacturers do not recommend that a non-vented unit be used full-time for primary heat. Now, they do serve a good purpose. They can be used for supplemental heat. They can be used for decorative purposes, for entertainment and what have you. But they are not intended to be used 24 hours a day, seven days a week as the primary heat in your home. One of the things that, one of the several things they do is create a problem with just your indoor air quality. The combustion of any gas unit, and I don't care how efficient it is, even if you're at the, the higher end on these, and you get gas furnaces and fireplaces that may say they're 92% efficient, they're never 100% efficient. And the fact that they're not, some combustion byproducts are exhausted within that space. It's not exhausted to the exterior. In an eventless unit, the post-combustion products, meaning those that are not properly burnt or and cannot be exhausted, come back into the home they can do several things. One, they can create excess moisture. Yes, I did say that right, because when the fireplace is on, it can also 
It'll have an impact on taking moisture out if it's properly vented because you're heating up the inside air. But the byproduct of burning gas is combustion. I mean, it's not combustion, obviously, but moisture. So it will add moisture to the interior of your home. It can raise the levels to the point that you have mold and mildew. You find metal objects that will be rusting over time, little at a time. You just won't notice it. It will also discharge carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, and uh, nitrogen dioxide. Those are some of the main items back into the room. Now, they are not harmful if you use it according to manufacturer's instructions. The bottom line here is, Ralph, I would not be using that as my primary heat. I'd be looking at an alternate source. Maybe you need to take a look at the existing furnace and see if you can have it repaired for one more winter. But I really suggest you stay away from it full time. You know, it's becoming a, a bigger and bigger issue. And <clears throat> I was reading a story recently, uh, and, and I didn't realize this, uh, that there are no guidelines for hotels for monitoring carbon monoxide and and other issues and there was a story just recently in USA today that talked about the number of people who become ill and even deaths that result from this uh, so much to the point now that there are a lot of people who are traveling with these detectors with them and take them with them when they check into a hotel yeah there's so many that are portable today and frankly it's not a bad idea or if you're staying in a bed and breakfast or someplace just a strange place to you if especially if there are gas furnaces or gas appliances and for ralph and others whether you're using what's intended to be sort of a short-term heat or a properly vented unit and it's designed that way i'm going to highly recommend that everybody have carbon monoxide detectors in their homes this is an odorless gas. You can't smell it. There's no taste left in your mouth. There's no signs of it, and it is very deadly, and it doesn't take long for it to react with individuals in the home. So it's always good to do that. One other thing that I'd recommend regarding gas appliances, and these have become quite affordable as well, and that is looking at a gas detector to be sure that you don't have a gas leak. Now, you know, in Ralph's question, he goes on to say, I thought there were safety devices. If this is a newer uh, fireplace he's operating with, meaning just within the last 10 to 15 years. It doesn't have to be yesterday's model. There are all kinds of safety devices that are built into that, oxygen sensors and other things that will cause it to shut down. But that doesn't mean that some of these things can't malfunction. I always want to err on the side of caution. Well, you know, and it's interesting because that's one of the one of the areas I know the industry has tried to address are the safety concerns for folks to make these things safer, particularly for people who aren't used to working with gas. There's a lot of folks who grew up with gas, very familiar with it, the things to do and things to don't. But you're getting a, another generation of folks who are starting to use selected gas appliances, uh, whether it's to heat their hot water or these, in many cases, decorative fireplaces that people are starting to, to put just about everywhere in their home. Yeah, I think that's really what he was talking about. But it's not uncommon to see these, quote, decorative fireplaces in the house, add one to the bedroom, put one in the living room, because they're fairly inexpensive, they're easy to work with, and if they're used properly, they are very safe, and they're fine for you. There's nothing wrong with them. But always read the manufacturer's data sheets on that. Look at the fine print and be sure that it's right for the way you want to use it in your home. Don't buy something and try and get it to conform. I think the other issue, too, we talked about the manufacturers and also the providers they're working very hard with folks to make sure that they are comfortable with these products. I know a lot of them will come out and go through, set up with you, go through certain types of basic safety so that you feel comfortable with this appliance in your home. That's really important. If you're buying something secondhand, I think that's when people have the most, the greatest opportunity to have either health issues or not understand how it performs. 
even if you're buying a unit from someone else, they no longer want it, I'm going to encourage you to go online or to go to that manufacturer and find those operating instructions and how it's intended to be used and use it properly. If you're buying a new one, you need to share all that information with your retail outlet so that the salesperson can look at it. There's engineering behind everything we buy. These things don't just happen. And it's going to be room size. That includes your ceiling height, how many windows, or how many exterior walls you have, how many occupants in the room, how often you intend to use it. Is it a couple of hours a week or is it eight or ten hours a day? So if you don't tell them that, it's a little bit like going to your doctor. If you don't tell them the symptoms, if you don't tell them in this case your use, your needs, they're not going to be able to sell you what you need, and they're not going to be able to answer your questions properly. You also need to think about the gas supply and the lines and how you're going to route that if you're in a position to be adding one of these to your home. Yeah, you know, and the uh, figures that I was scrambling to look for here in a recent USA Today article, eight people have died and 170 others have been treated for carbon monoxide poisoning in the last three years in hotels, which, according to this USA Today investigation, rarely equipped with CO alarms. And many of them are old enough that they were built before the codes required that. If you're in a very new facility today, they're going to have CO sensors, oxygen sensors, even within the ductwork, in central ductwork. But that only tends to be in common areas, in assembly areas where there may be meeting rooms. But older facilities are not required to have that. Now, I'm not suggesting all of you run around with one on your purse or hanging out of your pocket, but especially if you're traveling again and you're in spaces, could be bed and breakfast, a home that you're renting, uh, maybe a hotel, an older place you're traveling to, especially if there's gas appliances, carry one with you, plug it in the wall, and stay safe. Yeah. And according to the National Fire Association, they should always be stationed near bathroom, near bedrooms in every home. And as you mentioned, again, there's all sorts of different varieties of them out there now, and very economical. Yeah, they've come down where, the, for the most part, you'll find these running under $30 in most cases, so it's easy to afford and carry with you. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. You can reach him at 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. This is Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. You can always reach him at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can email him at kenthecontractor.com. Don't forget, you can friend us on Facebook at Ken the Contractor. And also follow us on Twitter at Ken Answers. Time now for this week's edition of One-on-One with Ken the Contractor. Each week, Ken brings you information about products and services from companies and experts that he interviews during his travels, all to make your life better, provide options, and save money. Joining me now is Scott Notatsky, and Scott is with Starborn Industries, which is a leader in deck manufacturing fasteners. Scott, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Ken. Glad you could join us. Now, you produce a number of different deck faster products from what I know about your industry, from pre-drilling countersinking tools to the fasters themselves. So it's not just about fasters. Anybody that's into installing decks, especially those that do it on a regular basis, they may want to check the website out and look at some of the other devices you're manufacturing. We try to make the installation you know, as, as simple and as straightforward as possible. So it isn't just the fasteners, although really they're second to none. 
But you, you mentioned countersinking and um, pre-drilling and countersinking, and we have a tool called the SmartBit that's been in the, in the market for a long time. Builders love it. Homeowners love it because it, it really takes the guesswork out of any time in which you need to pre-drill and countersink for a, a particular installation or a portion of the installation. And the, the SmartBit, is, it's got a resounding following you know, by professional builders because it, it, it truly does take all the guesswork out of the installation. And this is a relatively inexpensive tool when it when you compare it to labor of doing it the old-fashioned way. For So for many of you, especially the do-it-yourselfers, this will make that Saturday work go a little bit quicker if you think a little bit about purchasing SmartBit. Look at the pre-drilling and the countersink tool that's available from Starborn Industries. Scott, is there anything up and coming in the fastener industry that we need to know about since decks continue to change? The the evolution of the deck, you know, the outside living space has, has been pretty steep as far as how things have changed and the amount of time and people are, are, are spending outside. And as a result, you know, the fasteners have, have had to evolve with the industry. We've got uh, another product line for hardwood decking where we've got a tool that in a system that that takes what used to be a, an incredibly labor-intensive and arduous task and turns it into you know, a 20-second process per plug. And it's a plugging system. And, we, and if you go to our website, you know, we've got videos on everything that can take the do-it-yourself individual or the professional builder that's never done it and see a, a quick, simple installation process step-by-step on video. And it just makes life that much easier. We've also got a new tool coming out that, you know, is going to help with uh, making sure any face fastening that is done, you know, the end result is a perfectly flush finish, which is what all homeowners and builders are looking for, and that, that should be hitting the market here before the end of the year. I think the bottom line from Starborn Industries is you're trying to make the task move along a little quicker, leave it with that first-class professional look and something that will perform well, not only structurally, but just from a maintenance standpoint long-term. Absolutely. You know, the, the whole idea behind the, the evolution of, of the decking industry is to try to make the end result gorgeous where the homeowner can really appreciate it and at the same time not have to have a whole lot of maintenance. Everything requires a little maintenance. So as, as the decking industry has changed, so has the fastening industry to coincide with that. And again, just to make sure that the longevity is there. So having a fastener that is easy to install, looks great when it's done, and will last the lifetime of the deck, it's just a perfect situation. Starbornindustries.com, that's the website you need to go to to find these various items we're talking about. Scott Nowatsky, we appreciate you being with us today and sharing with us what's new in the marketplace and the things that will make our decking experience a little easier. It's been my pleasure, Ken. And I want to remind you that Scott was with us earlier this year talking about those unique fasteners. For those of you that missed that, you can go back to the website, kenthecontractor.com, and you'll find that on a tab. You can listen to the audio version, but talking about the unique fasteners they make for every type of decking material, that at least those that are most common out there, not only those that you have to countersink, but looking at PVC and other types of materials where you need color-coded heads because we never think about it, and they've got a unique item on their website that will calculate how many fasteners you need and what type. We've got a bunch of different ways that you can interact with the show. You can, of course, send us an email to kenthecontractor.com. You can give us a call at 800-614-2975, or you can leave us a voicemail question also at that number, 800-614-2975. We got one of those from Shannon, and he's got some questions about a pellet stove, Ken. Yeah, he says he's got a pellet stove, and what are the possible pitfalls with that? Hearing us talk about uh, non-vented gas stoves or fireplaces, 
He said, are there any particular issues or problems with carbon monoxide detection? He, he goes on to tell us that also this unit is vented to the outside, and it uh, certainly should be if that's the way the manufacturer has it put together. Most of them that I have installed, in fact, I should say all that I've installed, are vented to the exterior for two things, both combustion air and also for exhaust air. Anytime we have any type of an open flame within the house, to me it's always, and I think the fire department supports us on this as well, it's always good to have carbon monoxide detectors and heat and or smoke detectors. Those are just very inexpensive safety items for us to deal with. And, Shannon, as far as the pellet stove itself, some of the same criteria exist when it comes to safety or potential pitfalls with that as gas fireplaces, clearances, and that's probably one of the bigger items uh, because pellet stoves tend to run very small sizes to very large sizes, and you, we need to be sure that we're keeping combustible materials away from those. As far as the items we were talking about uh, in past segments and past shows that you may have heard dealing with gas fireplaces, follow the same standards and practices. That's really the best way I'd like to leave that for any of you that have uh, open flame combustion within your home. Those are always good practices to follow. Be sure you keep the fuel source away from the heat area. And you, if you've got an automatic uh, provider or device that automatically feeds the pellets to this stove, you want to be sure that that's maintained in proper working order as well. We could do an entire show on all the different types of alternative heating um, products that are out there, including Outdoor furnaces now have uh, have uh, gained a degree of popularity with folks. The pellet stoves that we've talked about, uh, wood stoves, have been very popular, particularly in certain portions of the country for years. There are probably even more. You just hit on some of the big ticket items that are quite popular these days. There are so many other alternative heat sources that are out there. You're right. We could do a whole show. We get a lot of mailbag questions. We get a number of phone calls. We're happy to entertain those. If you call us, if you email, you're going to get an answer, whether it's on the air or back through the website, you're going to get an answer from us. And it does help us see what the general population across the country has issues with. And that is, in part, how we determine what we're going to talk about on the programs. You help us decide. I think what is really motivating a lot of these folks with these alternative energy sources, obviously they're looking for an effective but also more economical source for energy. Well, we're all looking to save money every time we can. And what happens from year to year is we see our fuel sources either be more or less. Heating fuel may be down, LP may be up, natural gas may be down, wood chips as they, and wood pellets. As all of these become more popular or it's more difficult to get uh, forest byproducts, from one year to the next, those prices jump and go back and forth. Many people that I've worked with also are looking for a combination. They're saying, if this is high this year, I want to be able to go to this alternative fuel source. So we've done some dual burning operations that are fuel sources that are available. And years ago, that would have cost you thousands of dollars to be able to have that opportunity. It's really pretty affordable, especially if you're doing a retrofit or new construction. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor, and he's here to help you and answer the questions that are important to today's homeowner at 800-614-2975 or through our website, KenTheContractor.com. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back to Ken the Contractor. If you have a question about your home inside or out, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Time now for our app of the week and the design for all these apps sometimes it's something that'll help you on the job site or it's you know kind of serious sometimes it's kind of fun this one though has a, a great deal of purpose with the holiday season coming up yeah it does this one is really quite practical whether you're a business owner or just a homeowner 
Today, most of us send packages all over the place, and we receive packages from all over the place. We do a lot of online shopping. So whether you're buying new products to remodel your home or you're simply shipping holiday packages, Package Tracker Pro, that's what it's called, Package Tracker Pro, could be right for you. Cost you $1.99. It's not one of the free ones, but pretty inexpensive for what it does, especially if you happen to be an individual that either receives or ships using the various companies from DHL to Loomis to UPS to FedEx and others. This will track 32 of the major shippers worldwide, not just in the U.S., but worldwide. If you've got something coming from Spain or going to Belgium or other parts of the world, you'll be able to track that package both coming and going. So Package Tracker Pro is what it's called. It's a solid and handy business tool to help users track these various packages from all over the world. Some of the features, in addition to just tracking this, you can receive. You can set your smartphone up to receive a notification and alert based on where it is at certain times. You can also deal with the different types of labels and, and see how they have been posted with the company shipping and receiving. You can sync this to your computer so you can do all kinds of other things that make it so easy. You don't have to go to individual websites and constantly key in a pro or tracking number to see what's going on. Buck 99 Package Tracker Pro. Very good. Let's go back to another email. And this one comes to us from the Cornhusker State. Comes to us from Brian in Crookston, Nebraska. He said, I plan on changing my old fuel oil furnace to a new one that uses LP. Will this involve any changes other than replacing the furnace. If it's too involved or costs too much more, I may as well buy another fuel oil furnace. So he's trying to change from one type of heating source to another. I'm also having to save some money, or I'm hoping to save some money on fuel costs and avoid some of the problems I have had with water in the fuel oil. Well, first, I'm going to start with the tail end of your question, Brian. It's very easy to deal with water in fuel oil systems. There are filters that are out there that are available. There are multiple filters. There are also different types of tanks and venting available. So if you've been having a serious problem with condensation and or rainwater getting into your oil heat system, I want you to think about maybe just taking a, uh, a few moments and call a service person to look at it. Maybe you don't need a complete new furnace. But if you're indeed having a problem with the furnace and you want to change it, it can be as simple as changing the furnace out. However, you're going to have to bring a different type of fuel line to it, and you're going to have to have a place for an LP tank. You also need to consider how much uh, fuel you need during the year and what size that tank will be. Your local fuel provider, your LP company, can help you with that. Now, when it comes to... Uh, electrical, you may find that the circuit that's in place for the blower on the fuel oil heat is adequate. Uh, at worst, you may have to upgrade that, but I doubt that is probably going to hold true uh, to put the LP unit in for the forced air, if you will, uh, on that or the blower that operates with it. So the second thing that you will have to consider, or you may have to consider, I can't see, you didn't send me pictures, so I can't see your operation, you may have to look at changing the venting. Now, if you do all of that, you may find, too, that going to an LP is going to be an upcharge that could be another $1,000 or more over just changing out that furnace. So I want you to ask those questions of your service providers, your HVAC contractors, your, before you go and plop down the money and say, I want to buy this. The other thing I want you and others to consider, depending on the parts of country, and I know where you live, you're in, in Nebraska, but people listening to us in warmer climates and East Coast and other places, 
want to consider this when you get ready to change. That fuel costs vary from one year to the next. The only thing that looks promising for, I'll say, the next few years, if you read all the trade papers, is that natural gas has a tendency to stay low because of the large deposit of natural gas. It was discovered some years ago in this country, and com- and businesses starting to uh, bring that out of the ground and get it into the system. But you also have to think about the BTUs these heat sources produce. And quickly, I want to touch on this because it's not just about the front-end cost. And when you think about operating costs, you're saying, this cost me $250 a gallon for heating oil and, uh, and propane's costing me $290 a gallon or whatever it may be. Typically, propane is a little more costly in most states than oil for heating purposes. And that varies as you get into the winter a little bit. That has to do with state taxes also. But fuel oil will produce about 140,000 BTUs. That's a British thermal unit. That's the way heating's measured per gallon. But LP, or propane, only produces 91,500 BTUs for the same gallon. So if you're paying more per gallon for, uh, for propane and you're getting less BTUs, less heat out of that gallon, you may find that fuel oil in many parts of the country could be a lesser cost fuel for you to use. So I don't want you just to jump into this and say, well, this will be better for me. I want you to sit down with the service providers in your area, and I want you to crunch some of these numbers with them and look at your fuel cost and say, how many uh, BTUs am I getting for each of these fuels? What's it costing me in my area? What's the cost going to be to change the unit out? If you do those things, I think you'll find that you will have made a proper decision that long-term will give you the best of both worlds, the best unit for the least amount of operating cost. The other thing you have to consider when you're looking at new units is they're not all as energy efficient. LP-fired units will run from 80 to 92% efficiency, whereas you look at fuel oil units, they will run from as low as about 70% up to about 90% efficient. So you have to consider what you're buying and that can also impact the cost on the front side. So it's not an easy formula. If you need more information, follow up with another email or give me a call at our 800 number, and we'll be glad to chat about it. And, you know, you mentioned the utilities. Utilities are very aggressive these days in marketing their particular products. They would like you to come and use their products, and in some cases they're actually willing to either subsidize the changeover or to give you a remarkable deal on the equipment to get you as a uh, someone they can supply the energy to. Well, they'll subsidize that by having reduced costs through their preferred vendor, or they will send you a rebate check. And it varies from state to state, but this holds true for even power companies, some of the fuel oil providers and so forth. They will assist in many different ways. Always something for you to check on, especially if you're in the market to change your fuel source. See what's available for you out there and see where you can get some money. And in some states, there are still some tax credits available through the end of this year. And is this something that's practical for everyone? And what I'm thinking of is if you find yourself in a, in an urban situation, oftentimes you don't have as many choices as someone who's out in the country. You really don't, especially if you're in a multi-story building, a townhome, a duplex. You may have covenants and restrictions that say you're going to use or heat with natural gas because we provided it in the area and the developer had a contract with a gas company because they paid to put the lines in. But you still need to ask, does that provider have any type of a rebate if I buy a piece of equipment that meets a certain efficiency level? And it may sound odd, but most of these companies would prefer you use the most efficient equipment available, and that's generally what these rebates are offered for. Yeah, that's 
kind of the ironic element you'll see every once in a while is you'll see utilities in particular, power providers, encouraging you or trying to find ways to get you to use less of their material. Yeah, and most of us can't understand that, but it costs a lot of money to build a power plant. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. You can reach him anytime at 800-614-2975. That'll wrap up this hour of Ken the Contractor, where folks come for professional answers. If you do have a question about your home, inside or out, you can email your questions to Ken through our website, kenthecontractor.com, or, as we mentioned, you can reach him at this number, 800-614-2975. And don't forget, if you Missed a recent edition of Ken the Contractor. All you have to do is click on the website, kenthecontractor.com, and you'll find podcasts of recent programs all available to you 24 hours a day right there online. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson is here taking your calls. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you're looking for home improvement information at any time, go to KenTheContractor.com.